five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA. We're working on World DMA. I did. I've gotten. I got a, a connect invitation from Zimbabwe uh, this morning. So we'll see. Working our way there. But first, let's get over to the fun stuff. I wanted to just start out with something crazy. Uh, this is from a YouTube video called The Best Marketing Campaigns of All Time. And I thought it was pretty good. There was some real good stuff to it. Um, okay, it says that young people don't pay attention to public safety. Young people don't listen to public safety messages. Whoops, so how do you get them to stop being unsafe around trains? By making it the there's dumbest way to die. A song was written called Dumb Ways to Die. It was released as a YouTube video and within a week had over 20 million views. And within six weeks, over 40 million views. Gift sharing from our dedicated Tumblr site generated huge and immediate viral effect and helped the campaign stay on the front page of Reddit for two days after the launch. Within days, Dumb Ways to Die became the world's most shared video. The song was released on iTunes and climbed the charts in over 20 countries, and in some countries even making the top 10. Awareness went through the roof, but we had to get people to change their behaviour. So every element of the campaign directly drove people to pledge to be safe around trains. Nearly a million people took the pledge on our website. The little book of Dumb Ways to Die got kids to pledge at the website. how many train accidents there were after that I don't I don't see that in there um, but if anyone knows you know feel free to let me know um, because I think it's an interesting question so speaking of dumb ways to die I'm going to talk about dumb ways to market <laughs> I recently received this email on the 19th of September uh, and it was re re colon John okay was the was the subject is that advertising mail? Not clear to me. Is that deceptive? Sure, because I'd never replied to this person. Okay. So uh, they said, recently helped Jeremy Milner uh, add $800,000 to his bottom line with only 200000 spend by managing their YouTube, John. Okay. And uh, open to a 15-minute intro call. And... I guess you have to hit reply. There's no reply device. There's no call to action. There's no scheduling help here. Um, um, before that, then the, the email before that said, we've managed to help, uh, we've managed YouTube ads for industry titans like Cole Gordon, Dean Gra Graziosi. I don't know any of these people, okay? Not, not that I should. I don't really do any... Uh, advertising and uh, we're the most sought-after agency in the info marketing industry I don't even know what the info marketing industry is okay but it's from a guy named Brian Mokata uh, he hails from according to this Miami Florida and um, is the founder of adspend.com okay and so I wrote to Brian and I said, without a clear response or call to action device, you're either an expert or an or a novice. Why did I say that? Well, because um, sometimes experts do things that 
make it look like they're novices. If you're really a really expert, you know rules are sometimes meant to be broken. Uh, you make huge claims that you're the most sought after agency in the info marketing business, but provide only a text email. Your email violates U.S. federal laws at least three ways, the Can-Spam Act, um, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, I wouldn't want to talk to a marketing criminal, but I may use this on my daily marketing news show, so I'm advising him that I might do this. Kindly unsubscribe me if you're even able to do so, because there's no way to unsubscribe. That's violation, big violation number one. Uh, or perhaps I'll file a complaint with your IP provider or your state's attorney general. Now, uh, if I take the time to figure out where you are, I looked up adspend.com, and there, uh, who is, is in Toronto, Ontario. So I may not be able to easily get the FTC to go after them. But since Brian is located in Miami, um, one other thing I noticed was that he only has 700-some followers on LinkedIn, which isn't many. You know, I have about 13,500 or something. I kept closing in on that. Anyway, <clears throat> so how is he in violation? Well, one is that it's not clearly an advertising message, okay? It's also not uh, – it, it uses a, decept a deceptive subject line, right? It does not identify the message as an ad, makes it look fo like a folksy help you know, I've been talking to you. Um, tell the recipients where you're located. There is no physical address. I thought there was a phone number was required. <clears throat> and it does not tell recipients how to opt out. If you get an email from the WDMA, all these things will be involved. <laughs> well, the subject line, it'll be pretty obvious because we're trying to make it clickbait to get you to open it. So, but it doesn't say advertising mail. Maybe I should put that in there and see what, See if that helps the response. No one does that. Uh, the other thing the FTC says is that uh, each email, each separate email in violation of the Can-Spam Act is subject to penalties of up to $46,000. So I could really, I mean, I don't know how to file one, a complaint. I don't know how to, uh, if I get any of the money or it all goes to the FTC, Maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. So if you know those things, I'm really interested because I could start a business just filing uh, these, <laughs> filing these violations. I get many each day, and I know there's attorneys that do that sort of thing. Uh, it's not what I'm really after. I it would take away from my fun. But anyway, uh, Winterberry report. I saw a couple of posts on LinkedIn yesterday about this report coming out, um, and. They said basically uh, there's a steady – there's brands are steadily investing in more data-driven direct mail applications. I guess that's more mail, but it doesn't really say so, but let's say to attract customers. So prospecting is one of the things that people are using direct mail for. And um, they're using direct mail marketing to acquire and grow customers. Okay. The resiliency of mail in the United States is rooted largely in its capability as a performance marketing channel. In other words, we do keep track. We do keep track. I'll get into that in a minute. Okay. And um, I'm kind of proud of that. That's what Jonathan Margulis, Margulis said, who's a managing partner of the Winterberry Group. They, they talked to about 500 different companies 
And uh, according to their white paper, direct mail continues to play a prominent role because of these trends. Omnichannel is getting more popular. You probably can't just stick with YouTube video and a catchy song. Uh, prioritizing performance, growing cost challenges, especially in digital media. It's not as easy as it once was. And um, that's that's pushing brands to test alternative channels such as direct mail in support of their growth ambitions. Right. Direct mail is very, very scalable. And as I pointed out a few months ago, a few weeks ago, <laughs> everybody wants to target the very best customers. Now, the problem is we don't usually know why the best customers are the best customers. It's the I love you variable. We don't know why they love you. We don't even, they may not even know why they love you. It may be just the most, the easiest decision without a lot of, a lot of slow thinking, a lot of math, okay? So for whatever reason, your best customers are your best, okay? But they're going to go away. They're going to get old, they're going to die, or they're going to get a botched order and get mad, or something will happen, or they'll find an alternative di diversion to go after. In that culture, in that, in that that's just the way the world is. 20% of your customers do 80% of your business, but they're but they're continuing to go away. Try as you may, they will go away. And so you got to add new customers. And where do you get the new customers? You get them from customers who aren't your best customers, who've only ordered once, haven't bought lately, and didn't spend much money. You know, you you've got to keep churning that pot, stirring that pot in order to cook up more best customers. And that's the way it goes. And uh, direct mail, because it's geodemographically anchored in an address, can help you, inspire you, inspire your creative to know who you're going after. We can use AI and modeling in direct mail better than any other medium. And um, so brands are gravitating toward that. And I think that's great especially for the scalability, because we have about 330 million households that we can choose from. And, um, and, and I'm going to be talking with Joseph Katz from Katz Direct Marketing this afternoon. And uh, we're going to be doing a little interview. He did a great presentation, and he talked about how you need to mail a little deeper than you think. You always have to do that, or you run out of you run out. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me, well, how would these people have been, how, how would they have done, how would the one-time four-year-old buyers done if we would have mailed them? It doesn't work like that. You can't figure that out. Sorry. <laughs> you have to mail them to find out how they would have worked. Okay. So anyway, um, now I want to, I, I was I was on this delivered, delivered uh, webinar. Uh, it's a it's a conference, free conference, sponsored by a lot of merchants and vendors and printers and stuff. Uh, and Bob Bly did a talk, and I thought, well, what could Bob have to say that it would, you know, really shake me up? You know, I've known him probably for 30 years, and uh, he had a great presentation, I have to say. And he talked about the uh, the one dollar offer, and it was phenomenal. Partly because of the case studies, repeated case studies. He showed examples of the offers. 
one of them he mentioned was a Novell Novell server offer where they took four pieces of Novell utilities and added them as a free benefit if you ordered today. He said, now these four pieces of software were probably available for free if you searched around a little bit. And uh, they may have been included in the package anyway, <laughs> all the time, by Novell. But by taking them and making them an extra offer, the the response doubled because it sounded like there was something special about this offer. And he told those stories over and over and over. We still have a Novell server running. It's our sneaker net high security configuration where our basically our servers don't talk to the internet at all. <laughs> They're not connected. And the only way we can talk to them is with our internal Novell network, which is hard to get to because it's just clunky. <laughs> so you'd have to ha hack a few things to get at any data here. That's I don't even get at the data, <laughs> to be honest about it. Okay, anyway, so Bob did a great job. And here's an article. Um, he had the his articles are hidden on his website under monologues, I think, or monographs. I would encourage him to change that to article because <laughs> I had a search all over the place just to find something that I could rem remind me to talk about it. And here's 10 points of how to make sure your direct mail copy. It, and, you know, what the great part about his talk was he didn't really talk about copy as much as he talked about offers and testing. Way to go, Bob. That's the way to talk. Okay. He said, write in a direct response style. Significantly longer copy, proven principles of persuasion rather than creativity. You know, and I talked about Stanley Tucci, the Stanley Tucci catalog. You know, this is a battle I've always fought. Here's another one by my by a friend of mine, Jason Holm. And there's just no copy to speak of at all. They In this whole entire spread, there's a little, little teeny paragraph down here. And all it is is part numbers and names of items, not well keyed at all not keyed at all nothing so you see a, a chopping block right there what where is that information there's two chopping blocks okay and the you know the last one is an italian rug which is way over here i'm sure i could probably double the revenue per piece on this catalog but I'm also sure he's got some fancy, fancy, fancy designer that's telling him that this is the way catalogs are done. Okay. I don't fight. I split test. Let's do a catalog. Keep the pictures the same. We'll tag it. We'll put a little copy in there, a lot of copy. And we'll tell people what you're selling and why they why it's worth $950 for a chopping block or whatever. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even see the chopping block in that body copy. It's fine print. You know, your old rich clients uh, and customers probably can't read it. Uh, just sad. Let's put response first. Let's set up a test. Let's see who wins. I tend to win. You know, but people would rather be told at coffee, at, at, at cocktail parties, that their catalog is the most beautiful thing anyone's ever seen. I'm okay with beautiful. I love beautiful. <laughs> I also love doubling the profit per piece. That's what we look at here, profit per piece. Offer is prominent and emphasized. There's no offer on any page of that thing. Nothing. 
free guarantee. And there wasn't any offer really much emphasized in that email I went over. Okay, free and guaranteed. Work those work those words in there. And that's what he talked about yesterday, all the whole presentation. It was excellent, excellent. How you could find a free offer or find something to talk about, even in the mundane that's all always offered. Okay, target resp direct response buyers. These days, almost everyone knows how to buy remotely. Um, but there are still some people who like to read their mail. And so direct mail buyers, I think, is actually a thing. And they tend to have a longer lifetime value, and uh, which he says, have a back end. Make sure there's a follow-up sale, something to sell after the sale. Uh, be a tightwad. If a campaign is too costly, it becomes difficult to make money with it. You know, I've told the story over and over about Blockbuster calling me up and saying they wanted me in charge of their catalog. They were starting up when Wayne Hensiger was still in charge of it. And uh, I asked them their key numbers, and they were using their fulfillment center that they used to ship cases of videos to their stores uh, at $8 per shipment. I said, you don't have the margin. You don't have the average order size to make this work. And they went ahead anyway and lost $5 million. They took me to lunch and said, we should have listened. <laughs> you know, I, if they would have changed that one number, they could have changed that number. But they said they were required not to change it. I don't know why. Um, you know, we could, have, we could have done some things. But I just told them I, I knew it wasn't going to work the way it was. Test everything. Brand advertisers roll out huge campaigns without meaningful real-world testing. Relying instead on effective methods such as surveys and focus groups. Therefore, they risk failing big and losing a lot of money. <clears throat> I got called into General Motors uh, for the General Motors credit card. And they said, who would have bought a car without this $5,000 rebate we're giving everybody? Well, I said, you should have done it differently. <laughs> you told everybody about the $5,000. You know, there's a way to tell. There was a way to back. To, to, to analyze it backwards, which I should have told them. But, you know, those were in the days when I kept getting calls from all these big companies. Uh, direct marketers start by testing small, but with live promotions where consumers vote with their credit cards, not their opinions. And I have a, an article on LinkedIn that you might like, how direct marketing swung the election. And uh, the winner, the election campaign election winner, told me that I was one of the few people who understood what they were doing. So uh, anyway, thanks, Bob. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.